See where you're doing that? I'll, uh, well, I'll, I'll let everybody know exactly what we're doing. So it's a couple of days before Christmas time. We're going to call this our, our Christmas special. Uh, hopefully I'll get this out before Christmas. I should do. Uh, the, a couple of the students had said to me, I think you should be a guest on your own podcast. And I was kind of, I wasn't keen on that at all. Not, not to begin with anyway. And then you messaged me one day and said, I think I know who you should have on your podcast. And I'd obviously text back saying, who? And you replied, you. <laughs> you. <laughs> so you kind of uh, signed up to be the host by by initiating that that hopefully good idea. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> might not be a good idea. But uh, how does it feel to be hosting your first podcast? <laughs> I'm absolutely, you know, so I'm absolutely fine because it's who I'm, I'm talking to. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of kind of free flow conversation pretty well, and uh, I've got literally an idea in my head that yeah. I hope will work. Uh, so. Interesting to, to see where it goes. Christmas specials are meant to be fly by the seat of your pants anyway, so what, yeah. whatever level. Pretty much, pretty much how it's going to go. Thank you. The, um, right, do you want to start with yeah. yeah, let's go. We're recording anyway, so let's roll. Right, okay, now, can you know you when you've obviously been martial arts a long time, a lot of experience in that, right? I think that... The first question that I think everybody really wants to know is, um, what is your favourite Christmas movie and why is it Die Hard? <laughs> that is exactly, we were talking about this, Tracy and I, my wife, were talking about this uh, last night or the night before, and <clears throat> it absolutely is Die Hard. Yes! <laughs> like, any, I don't know, any hot-blooded male that says that it isn't Die Hard, uh, are either lying or, or they've not seen Die Hard. So, uh, no, it is. It's absolutely Die Hard. Do you know, I think that's what all the listeners have been waiting to hear. I think exactly. nobody's yeah. interested in the martial arts. They're interested in, in Die Hard, and so they should be. I know. It is. Um, <laughs> you actually nailed that one there. Was something that we got a longer conversation. <laughs> the, um, so, here's the thing is, why is it a Christmas movie? Because it's based at Christmas, isn't it? No, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's it's a Christmas movie for a number of reasons. Uh, it's a feel good movie. It's based at Christmas. Uh, okay, I'm actually out with that. So, yeah. Oh, the snow, which comes with Christmas time, obviously. So it's snowing. It's set at Christmas, and it's a feel good movie. There you go. Do you do you agree or disagree? No, I agree it's a Christmas movie. That's a Christmas movie, isn't it? It's a Christmas movie. The, um, the argument that you settled, I was, I was wondering if you were going to come out with the, the TikTok answer, which was it was kind of going viral. Right. Um, there was two, two, two incidents in it that they make it absolutely a Christmas movie. The, uh, the first is that they, they broke in during a Christmas party. Didn't even think of that. Right. Yeah. But other... Um, say, celebration, you yeah. know, you never get that Easter or Thanksgiving or or somebody's birthday. Um, so that and the other thing is that um, when uh, he finds the guy down the lift, the shop, 
They says I have machine gun now. Ho ho ho. You hey, would not You would not get. I have a machine gun now. Happy birthday, Dave. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> it's absolutely a Christmas movie. MD says otherwise it's it's gone. Can I just say that I think what's made this the Christmas special of the Marshall Focus podcast is you sitting there with that lovely fire in the background. Anybody that's just listening to this, I'll try and describe this. Stevie's sitting with a lovely fire in the background, a Christmas tree, and a, a, a lovely white beard. And pro you're probably about 20 or 30 pun pounds uh, off of being the main man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so you just need a wee red suit and it would be the perfect picture. Yeah, I'm. I'm not even going to argue with that. The, um, the it, you know, I was, I was looking for. I was going to try and open up a Santa hat, but I couldn't find one. You know, I've got the glasses and everything. I reckon yeah. I could have looked at. I reckon I could have looked at. Anyway, let, let's go on. Um, this podcast is is kind of going to be less about Marsaps um, for a good party and more about yourself. Um, Okay. Things that drives you influences. Yeah. And so on. Right. So we'll talk about Die Hard be a Christmas movie. <clears throat> From my experience in life, there's been a lot of movies in my life that's, you know, I'm going back to like, stuff I've watched that was made in the 40s, 50s, 60s, etc. Right up to, to, to modern classics. Yeah. Um, so looking through your life, what kind of films of say like and genres have inspired you? You know, I'm 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 kind of guessing like there was a bit of John Claude Van Damme and Bruce Lee in there, but you know what what else? You well, know, for younger, you know, changed your attitude to what you're doing, society in general, made you think twice about maybe, you know, some some things that you take for granted. Yeah, uh, what a brilliant question! I need to watch you don't do me a job here, Stevie. Uh, I. I think I mentioned it a wee second. Maybe I didn't. It was definitely in my head. But uh, I, I like hope. So I like hope. I like underdogs. Uh, I like feel-good stuff. But so what you're looking at, you're looking at, I know everybody says this, or most people say this, the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, that's about never losing hope. Uh Cinderella Man, which is a fantastic movie, Russell Crowe, uh, that's about overcoming just horrific uh, misfortune, poverty, challenges in life and, and having that hope to then achieve. If anybody doesn't know what Cinderella Man is about, it's about James Braddock, who uh, in the 19, what, 20s, 30s, early 40s, I believe, yeah, it would have been, a, it would have been in the 30s, uh, was the, the heavyweight champion of the world. And pretty much came for nothing. So, yeah, Shawshank Redemption, Cinderella Man. I love a good gangster movie. Uh, now, I don't know if that, like, see, like, things like The Godfather and stuff, but I don't know whether that influence, I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't influence uh, what I'm about. I mean, I'm certainly not getting people off and sending them dead fishies in the mail, but uh, what else? Martial arts movies, as you said. <sighs> This is going to be quite controversial, but Bruce Lee never really done it for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan myself. I wouldn't be looking any further than, than Enter the Dragon. And I mean, mm -hmm. people, 
you speak to anybody really who's maybe my age and a wee bit older and he was he was the man and it was Bruce Lee this and Bruce Lee that. I wasn't there, remember, I'm still a wee bit younger. I wasn't there when that was all kicking off, but uh, I don't know. So maybe that's, <laughs> I should maybe use this as the little clip because that'll send the internet mad, me sitting here saying that I don't, let me be careful what I say there. Am I, am I really trying to say that Bruce Lee wasn't all that? That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is he wasn't all that for me personally. Mm -hmm. uh, Van Damme, yep, for sure. Steven Seagal, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, all these guys that the sort of late 80s, early 90s action movies were were fantastic. But uh, again, another Russell Crowe one, Gladiator. That's about hope, isn't it? It's about overcoming stuff. Uh, I used to think Morgan Freeman was my favourite actor, but I actually think it might be Russell Crowe because A Beautiful Mind as well. That, I love that film. I love that film. Yep. I, was, I used to always say, yeah, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, because I'm a big movie geek. I absolutely love movies, and I have lots of conversations about movies. And I always used to think it was Morgan Freeman, but I don't think it actually is. I think I think it's Russell Crowe. Uh, and maybe just because of the movies being in, because Cinderella Man was Russell Crowe, Gladiator, obviously, A Beautiful Mind. Uh, did I mention Mom, Romper Stomper, God, going back to his New Zealand days, aye, Christ. Uh, so I, I think that's, I think that's the sort of movies that influenced me was, was ones about people overcoming stuff. I do this with my own students as well. Like I've got this real passion about people finding what they don't think's there. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you do as well because we we spoke about just helping people to overcome stuff and. I people always give up on themselves. I find before I give up on them. Mm -hmm. So I think I think I'll, that's why I like these. So listen, do you know what I was watching the last two nights? Rocky one and Rocky two. Boom, there you go. I mean, you can't get any better than that as regards to hope and overcoming adversity. It's brilliant. It's the first Rocky I see was Rocky three because yep. Um, in in my early years, my my early mid. Teens like I was like Audrey Hepburn or Marilyn Monroe or like um, on the waterfront, you know, mm -hmm. the old classics. Yeah, um, and it wasn't a wee bit older. Like, I, I had no time for films like that. Yeah, a strange boy, and um, <laughs> like genuinely, the first time I watched the Terminator was when I was working in a nightclub. Don't have raving about it. I think it just might have changed a wee bit. Uh, the classics. The thing is, people seem to forget that um, Stallone won Oscars for yep. See when you mentioned the Terminator there. Here's a quick story. I had a well. I I, I think back on it as, as an argument. It obviously wasn't an argument because I was a young kid just went to high school and my computing teacher, and uh, he was the sort of teacher that we used to. I remember joking with people at school about he would just appear everywhere. Like, no matter what mischief you were up to, he would appear. Uh, so we never kind of got on, really. But I, I remember having this discussion with him one day in computing class that he said Terminator and Terminator 2 are nothing uh, other than time travel movies. And this might be one of my first memories of this because 
especially Terminator 2. And again, he, here I go again. Terminator 2 was about hope. Mm-hmm. That's what it was about. See when Schwarzenegger's sacrifices himself as a Terminator. Spoiler coming up, by the way, for the movie that was released <laughs> a year ago. Uh, when he's going down into the, the lava and that thumb goes up, that's what that movie's about. It's not, it's not about time sacrifice, travel. Sacrifice, um, like taking control. Like the first, the second one we done, um, I quoted the line from Sarah Connor, there is no hope, there is no fate with the fate we make. Yep, yep. And, like these we can they're now memes. Yep. You know, like all these things that came from movie, these sometimes throw away lines. I love you, Adrian. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Yeah. Everybody yep. knows who that is. You yep. know, I've heard kids come out with quotes in movies that they've never seen because it just became a meme. Yeah. And they say so when you look at that, like, you know, as you say, hope the the, the desire not to give up or the realization that that you may, in this situation, you may be the only person that's able to see the whole picture and move forward at your own risk and possibly um, facing your own demise. Yeah. Um, and like the, the main character, well, the main character is, I suppose, not saying but for me, the, the main uh, character is, is Sarah Connor in both films. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's her driving commitment and Sheer desperation and bloody mindedness not to give up, don't yeah. give up. Um, that they can make both those films, and I think they are, um, kind of like human spirit driven, objectively good movies. Yeah, you know, it's even with TV shows, like we were sitting having, we were sitting having dinner, uh, last night, and I've been watching Afterlife again, so MD. Anybody who has been living on Mars and hasn't heard the, uh, have you I seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Right, I know. I, know. I need to it's, watch. It's magic. I must have watched it. I don't know how many times I've watched it. Again, I'm not. There's no spoilers here because Ricky Gervais's wife dies of cancer. You know that right from the beginning. And it's there's now we're heading for season three, so that's why I've been watching it again. <laughs> and, Tracy's again, t- people that don't know Tracy, my wife is saying, uh, I'll watch this when I watch season three again with you, but I am not sitting through this again. Uh, so, anyway, she she sat down for dinner with me last night and I had it on again. And I, I swear to God, she hadn't sat down for more than a minute and the tears were streaming down her face, <laughs> making her dinner all soggy. She was howling. And I was obviously laughing at her but uh, anyway here's the point I'd said to her I know that this is this is horrendously sad and it's hysterically funny as well and I don't know whether it's just because I'm this sort of geek as far as movies and TV and stuff goes but I never ever saw it at that level I saw it at the level of this character trying to find and I'm going to say it again, maybe for the last time, hope that things could get better. No matter, that, that's the message through the full thing, that no matter how crap this guy's life actually is, that there's a way out. I think there's a way out for, for everybody. And that might be naive. I know a lot of people, a lot of people speak to me about their mental health, for example, and I've got to balance this enthusiasm I have, I'll call it, call it that for the minute anyway, with being uh, 
I, I need to watch that that doesn't become uncaring when really it's coming from a position of complete care because I I think it's the last thing we lose as human beings. Even on your your dying, your very last breath, I think is 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 a breath of hope. Uh, that's something that goes through my mind all the time. That things can get better. We can do better as individuals. We can do better as martial artists and help people. And and there's always always hope. And that's what I got out of that program as well. So yeah, there you go. Thank you. It's funny, like um, I do like. I like Ricky Gervais. Um, I can understand why people don't like him, but yeah. I, I do like him. And uh, I think that he is actually quite a, a decent guy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He likes his dogs, I believe. <laughs> um, yeah, aye, he's got dogs and cats, I think. I know he's definitely got cats. I, I, I know he works. There's a dog in Afterlife, which is his sort of saving grace in many of the episodes, but... Uh, he, he was, again, it's funny because I was talking to one of my students this morning, actually, who was in doing some training with me, and I'd said to her, he was the only person that I was, uh, I would risk getting COVID for, because I went to see him just a couple of months back uh, in Glasgow, and uh, the place was packed, and we were all supposed to be wearing masks and stuff, but nobody was, and I've been really, really careful and cautious of where I was, where I've been going. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's probably two people uh, that have been breathing over me in the last year and a half. One's chasing my wife, and the other one's you. Maybe uh, <laughs> better clarify that. That's well. Oh, no, I think you should just leave that there. Right? <laughs> I, think that, I think we could just leave that there. I think we will. Let, let, let the people decide. <laughs> <laughs> so. I have been really, really careful, but when Ricky Gervais's stand-up show came around, uh, I was I was happy to go to that. So I was, and I think he's I think he's misunderstood. I, I really do. I think he's hugely, or maybe deliberately misunderstood, is more to the point. I like he punches, but he doesn't really punch down. No, he doesn't at all. He doesn't no, at all. And I think that. There's a certain amount of people that, that think that comedy should you should only aim it at certain things or you should be careful where you aim it. Um, Jim Jeffries, who's one of the darkest comedians I know, uh, he's yep. brilliant. I know certainly I go, oh, I didn't quite like that, but I don't have a problem saying it. Mm -hmm. And he, there was like, this, something he saved us in the side of a sewer or something. Invited them to do um, like a charity show and asked them to, to turn up and, and, and do like you know half an hour for them. Yeah. And he said to them like, "Have you seen my work before?" I and he, and they went, "Yeah, you're literally the only comedian in this world that will stand there and slag us off." Yeah. You know, I want like I want music, literature movies to touch me somewhere I want to feel a connection to it. Yeah. Um in comedy as, as well I want a connection and sometimes that connection is gonna feel like a punch in the stomach but it's still funny and as long as it's done you know not politically correctly but in a way where I mean a joke is basically an, an, a is a sentence but a, a 
surprise ending. Yep. You know, as long as it's not necessarily twisted evil mm-hmm. or malicious, then I yeah, I will take that. And I don't I don't mind sitting a comedy show and going, yeah, I didn't like that one, but I'll take the rest of it, but I'm not going to complain because you know, comedians they, they can have a broad spectrum yep. in their shows. Um so no, I, I pre, you know, I do appreciate I, I don't watch how many who does. I wasn't keen in the office, I wasn't really getting any extras, but when he stands on the stage, I think I need to leave right now, Stevie. I need to leave right now. That might be the furthest apart we've ever been. Because oh god, it's comedy genius. <laughs> see, see I, you know, watch Afterlife. Promise me you'll watch it. Uh, I watch Afterlife. I'll tell you what I don't like. The Office. Um, I grew up with um, some others do do um, some others do have them. Yep. And um, <laughs> they are classic. They are funny. I've seen them. I've kind of laughed most of the time. But to me, it's it's like this thing when you know someone's failing so badly <laughs> and you see what's coming, I'm just going, oh, you go. You know, so the Basil Fault with the Frank Spencer characters were tragic characters. Yeah. And it was funny, but it's uncomfortable for me. I don't enjoy it. And that's what I was enjoying the office. Same way as it, uh, it's always Fort Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. My mate can't get me to watch that. I didn't even get through the first episode of that. I'm just enjoying this. I would never say this isn't funny. This isn't good comedy. This isn't well written. Yeah. You know, you've got hundreds of millions of people that enjoy this. I'm just not them. See, that's that's the thing, but because David Brent as Ricky Gervais's character and Michael Scott in the American version <clears throat> are you you've summed it up. You've summed ninety percent of their story up to a T. Sometimes, especially the Ricky Gervais version, the Michael Scott American version uh, with Steve Carell, that was done a little bit lighter, probably for the American audience. To be fair, right? But some of the David Brent stuff was physically uncomfortable to watch. It was yeah. physically uncomfortable to watch until the last ten percent of the season. Actually, with the British version until the Christmas special, mm-hmm. where where it comes good for them, Aye. and that's the again that's getting back to what we were talking about about the movies. Uh, you watch ninety five percent of Cinderella Man, and it's about a man with one bit of meat that he's managed to get for him and his wife and his two kids as dinner, and he doesn't get any work and he loses everything. And it's just, it's horrific to watch. No, it's, 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 a, it's a phenomenal film. And as you see, your man is, is phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. Great cast, great music, great great storytelling. Yeah. It is objectively a very, very good film. Um, so see that bit of, see, see with the, like, a new heavyweight world champion of the world, James Braddock. It's, it's just like, I was like, yes, come on. Like, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> Because it, it, it gets me in there, it really, really does stories like it's that. It's a personal thing because um, when he won it and the, the interviewed and went, Why did you come back? and he went, I needed milk for my kid. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And it's it's it's, it's the simple things that drive people. Yeah, why'd you do that? You know, the um, you second.
right? So it's the simple things that drive people to do extraordinary things, like feed your family. Yep. I mean, there is, you know, there's literally nothing you do um, when it comes to your family in extreme circumstances. Yeah. Right? You would do that. You yep. do anything good, you know. Um, so uh, these, these stories are, they're very good stories, very well written. But anyway, I'm going to move on. That's fine, yep. Um, obviously, I follow this, sir. Nah. And one of the things I've noticed, um, one Jim, it makes me laugh. Uh, and in the instant, like you play the guitar, you've, you've, you've got a real love for music. Yes. You know, you're playing the guitar and your, your music choices in the gym are eclectic. Um, it's kind of, you know, you play anything as long as it's not been like um, not released in about the last eight years. You that know, pretty much sums it up, eh? Yeah. You know, you're, you're pretty, you know, half the time you're you like playing my childhood. <laughs> um, so, like, again, Came back to the same question, right? Quite a collection in music. What genres, what artists, writers, composers? Now, it could be pop music or classical, you know, what musically, what can it drive you? What has inspired you? Like, again, from your younger right up to present day. That, what I've been, that's another brilliant question. Uh, See, to put all the cards on the table, I have been bugging Stevie for weeks now, saying, right, what are you going to ask me in this podcast? Like, you need to send me your questions. And Stevie, you you were, you were, you done really, really well. Not a, not one hint did he give me what he was going to ask me tonight, but that is another brilliant question. Uh, and hopefully I've got another brilliant story to tell about that because my mum is, is Scottish and, uh, and it's important to say that. So she's a white Scot and my dad is Tunisian. So he's obviously got that African uh, base, that, that African heritage. So growing up, I had uh, two really extreme influences there. So I had on my mum's side, ABBA, the Carpenters, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, uh, Neil Diamond and again yes <laughs> I don't know what this is saying about my parents but that sort of white poppy influence and then I had the soul influence for my dad the black singers first James Brown Marvin Gaye the greatest singer of all time in my opinion Wilson Pickett Benny King uh, Harold Wilson all, all these guys uh, so that kind of gave me a really Brilliant mix, I felt. And I still got to quickly interject here, right? Yep. Um, I've got two white parents that came from white parents came from and little broad in the same music. Yeah, I know. I mean, when I say <laughs> that, well, it's just that was probably coincidental that, that that was the case. I mean, the Rolling Stones are one of the most, uh, are one of the rock bands most influenced by black music. Yeah. They're all white. So you see, to clarify, you see what I'm saying there, but it was uh, it gave me a brilliant mix, and I still listen to all of them. Uh, 
so the the sort of soul music kind of merged or, or, or led into hip hop. Uh, not 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 as a direct link, but it just kind of a move to that. So like your Jay Z's and stuff that you'll hear. So I could have Jay Z on, and then the next uh, song would be uh, Water uh, Waterloo. Do you know by Abba? So music influences is just. There's nothing I don't think. I'm just recently getting into jazz music. There's nothing at all that I'm not into. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy the absolute most is opera or classical music. Uh, like somebody like Andrea Bocelli, right? And here's why I like it. I, rem I remember being in the gym one day and I had my earphones in as I was coming into the changing room and took them off and they were still blaring out. And the guy getting changed next to me said, Andrea Bocelli, that's, that's strange gym music. But here's what I love about it. Every time I listen to that, it means something different to me. I think that's amazing. Like, there's a lot of songs where you can you can listen to the lyrics, or you hear somebody you hear somebody saying, "Yeah, I wrote this song about X, Y, Z," but I've never even investigated what music in a foreign language is about. So, if if I'm feeling on top of the world one day and I listen to Andrea Bocelli, it, it means that to me. But then if if I'm feeling quite down one day, it means that. Because I, I don't, I've got no idea what the, what the man's saying. <laughs> I don't even know what any of the lyrics are and never ever investigate what they are. So what was your original question? What, what's my main musical influences, was it? No, no through the years. Now, I, I, I can look back and go, you know, my, my pre-teens, it was... You know, it was um, Kenny Glam Rock and Disco. Yep. Then into like uh, Scar Punk, Mods, thing, and then, you know, Belt Pop, this different things through the 80s and 90s. So I was just looking at your journey. You know, you, you've told us where it started. And, yep. you know, uh, it's the, uh, there's this music coming out just now. And I just go, wow, that's, you know, that's really good. And and I think that, funnily enough, one of the things that's actually the, the um, drives music just now is TikTok. Right, okay. Those I actually songs. don't have TikTok. There, so there's songs like coming on the radio and I go, that that plays over that clip I like. Yeah, so you've got a connection. So you're just hearing it for the first time on the radio and you go, hmm, wait a minute, I'm going to give that more in the ear. Yeah. There's a bit of noise in the background. So, like, so basically, like, the, the, the music that I look at, I can, I've got memories stuck to it, good or bad. And I was driving home tonight and there was a, a, a song by um, Suzanne Vega called Marlene on the Wall. Right. And it was a song by the 80s that kind of played like almost ad nauseum and it got me through some you know difficult times. Yeah. Um, and I was listening going, wow, you know, that's still kind of, you still get that wee punch in it for me. And yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, but but for me at that time it was it was it was something that meant a lot to me. So that's what I'm saying. You know, you've got these songs, what were they? And if you can, why did they make you feel up, down? And yeah, that's 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 okay. That that's 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 the question. Uh, maybe I could put groups or artists to certain yeah. stages in my life. So the the first bit, do you know the first group that I was 
that was, I guess, was my, my own choice. Not, mm-hmm. not as, as in, I, 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 I searched them out, was Guns N' Roses. So you're talking about 87 for Appetite for Destruction. So I would only have been five then. So I was born in 82. So Appetite for Destruction came out in 87. Uh, I didn't pick Guns N' Roses up until like 1992. We, Guns N' Roses released User Illusion 1 and 2 on the same day. So they, mm-hmm. they released these two huge albums in the same day. Uh, and that kind of that got me through when I say got me through that, that, I'm looking as if I was leading this hard huh. life but you know, that, that, that took much it inspired you, drove you yeah, I, yeah I, I remember <laughs> I remember getting <laughs> remember you used to get the green army jackets and stuff and yeah. uh, that sort of look and I remember putting all this stuff on one day and going down the stairs and my dad was pretty much like, that. nah, like <laughs> in certain terms, uh, and and yeah, things like that. But so there was that, and then what happened was Britpop happened. So that kind of took me through the later teenage years. Uh, you were either Oasis or Blur. I was Oasis. Still, I'm Oasis. You do that look about you. I think I do. <laughs> I think I do. Uh, I always remember Noel Gallagher doing an interview and they were saying, oh, how do you write your songs? And they were wanting some big, deep, meaningful answer. And he says, if now rhymes with cow, then I go with it. He says, it, it, it actually doesn't mean much. There's a few there's a few Oasis songs with stories behind them, but Oasis, who else did we like? Uh, Verve, The Verve, mm-hmm. Richard Ashcroft, brilliant. And then... I'm trying to think what happened after that. Who would have been there? You're, you're having many times where you met your life. I, uh, do you know, I'll tell you somebody else who, uh, who I've seen live a couple of times, and it was going through my head when you were talking about the how things develop. Justin Timberlake, now, now let me finish. I, I think to myself, if there wasn't a James... I'm MC, MC Hammer. I am not judging anyone. <laughs> So, Justin Timberlake, we have, we've seen twice, and he was brilliant both times. I haven't seen Justin Bieber. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning Justin Bieber here is because if it wasn't for James Brown, there wouldn't have been a, and when I say this, I don't mean it directly, but Michael Jackson wouldn't have been who he was if it wasn't for James Brown. <laughs> and he said that many times himself. Now, see if it wasn't for Michael Jackson, there wouldn't have been a Justin Bieber, a Justin Timberlake, the way he was. And if it wasn't for Justin Timberlake, who took huge influence from Michael Jackson, there wouldn't have been a Justin Bieber. So you can actually follow these artists through the generations. You look at artists, like, I mean, like back to like Elvis, who like took a lot for blues, and um, James yep. Brown. And when you look at like these guys, like, the influence they had on people like um, Michael Jackson, yeah. Others, right? Um, it's phenomenal. These were the, the, the kind of pioneers. Gil Scott Hearn, right? Who I know you like. Yep. Um, will him, not be televised. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. And like, when you listen to Gil Scott Hearn, um, you listen to like, the television will, will not be televised, White on the Moon. Um, 
in the bottle, which is all about like um, substance abuse. Yep. Um, you, you, then, you know, you're, you're sitting like 10, 20 years later and you're going, that's, you can, you can tell us you've been lifted from it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. The, the yeah. early, for me, like the early rap music, it started off kind of poppy and then got, you know, pretty hardcore and, and, and it was, you know, these young, angry young men screaming at the world and going, look, this this sucks. We're trying our best and, and we're getting nowhere no matter what we do. And, the systems against us. Yeah. That comes directly to me from Gil Scott Hearn. Yeah. You know, these, these guys are, are pioneers, you know. Um, and as you say, it's, it's good to recognise like this is why they do it. Look yeah. at NWA, right? So NWA were one of those groups that you're talking about, mm-hmm. which were just what how many were in then like six or so? Six angry young men. Uh they were singing protest songs, but 30 years ago, or 30 years before that, Marvin Gaye was singing protest. What's going on is the ultimate protest I album. In vinyl. It's one of the best albums of all time. Mm-hmm. That's a protest mm-hmm. album, mm-hmm. but uh, it's got love songs and stuff in it, and yeah, absolutely, but, but ultimately, what's going on is a protest album, and you get that same theme. Now, it's done in different ways. As I say, Marvin Gaye, N.W.A., Rage Against the Machine, it, maybe different genres there, but I, I, I'm finding this hard to answer because I've I've just had so many things influence each stage of my life. Uh, but major bands, you're looking at Guns N' Roses. Can I pick five for you? Right. Your answers. I wasn't looking for top tens or anything like that. I just no, I know, I know. Generally, you know, the, the, the things that made you, made you go, wow. Okay, you know? the things that made, okay. Here's the, here's the artist that, that that changed my direction. Guns N' Roses, for sure. Huge influence. Finding the Beatles again as a grown man. So having them played. Have you watched the thing on Disney Plus? No, God, I've, not, I've, I've not got to it yet. It's on... Every day that I speak to, he's raving about it. But uh, hopefully, over the Christmas sort of period, I'll get to see that. So, Guns N' Roses, The Beatles, Jay Z. So I know you look. How did you get from the Beatles to Jay Z? Uh, but hugely influential, Pink Floyd, and Marvin Gaye's. Go. I just Marvin Gaye's. To me, Marvin Gaye's got the greatest voice of all time. I absolutely love him. Really? So, oh, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm I, not arguing, by the way. Oh, he's just, yeah. Him and Tammy Terrell and just, oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, that they, I, I find inspiration in, for all of these groups and they've kind of did it. I could probably add another thousand onto that, but they, they've inspired me over the years for sure. So, I mean, like, I don't think any of really made it to any great degree into the, the last 20 years. What about some, you know, more modern, what, you know, what, what can you, you know, you know, what are you plugging in when you're walking into the gym, you know, that's, that, that's more recent? I think uh, I know. I've seen them a couple of months back. Uh, we actually bumped into Biffy Clyro uh, in Aston Lane one night and 
Tracy and I were, were standing. I, I don't even remember what bar we were in, but the boys were in. They're only for down in Kilmarnock. We're only for Ayrshire. And uh, that was one of the ones where I thought to myself, nah, you, you don't, don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that goes over to talk to them. And I, I, I regret knocking over. Uh, Simon wasn't there, but the, the two brothers were, and I can't remember their names now, but Simon, the lead singer, was there, but the two brothers were. And uh, I still regret knocking over and just, but as I say, they're there to enjoy their night out, so I, I didn't want to do that. So Biffy Quiro, modern day. Oh, who else? Tell you, let's see. <laughs> do you know, actually, Spotify done this really cool thing where they told you what your, uh... oh, Blink-182, there's another band. So I was I was never a big fan of the kind of early 2000s metals, but like, it, you know, guys started playing it in the gym, I started listening to it a bit more, and I, was, I had some Blink-182, Blink some Offspring, and yeah. uh, stuff like that. So I now, do, um, what do you call them, Disturbed, uh, I can't like some of their stuff as yeah. well. Um, James? I mean, right, so this was my top. I'm not going to read all of these out, right, but I'll very quickly give you some of the artists. My, so Spotify gave me my top uh, top songs of 2021, right? So this will show you how mixed this is. So I've got Biffy Clyro, the Bee Gees, right? <laughs> Don't ask when I was listening to the Bee Gees. No judging. Rag, Rag and Bone Man, there's a modern day great. Yeah. What a singer he is. Van Morrison, Counting Crows, Pink. Pink's probably the, the, the best show person I've ever seen. Anybody who's listening to this, go and see Pink if you've got a chance. She's fantastic. Uh, Pink Floyd, the Notorious B.I.G., Stormzy, there's another one, right? Uh, Snow Patrol, mm, I kind of went off Snow Patrol. James, Blondie, Rage Against the Machine. Damien Rice, there's another one, who, uh, Irish singer, uh, Tremendous. So, I my, my my musical influences are just all over the place, and I'm happy for the fact that they're all over the place. No, I'm I'm, I'm much the same. Like everything. I, I've got a, I've, I've got a lot of vinyl there, um, as well as like um, the, the digital stuff. And yeah, many groups mentioned there was Blondie. Um, was a huge fan back in the day, and I still. And again, I think that. Um, she influenced a lot of um, female singers back in the early 80s. Yep. Um, right up. And, and you can see the, the kind of, you can see her footprints and so even some of the, the, the female bands and singers today. Oh, aye. Yeah. Um, same with, with, with Kate Bush. Yep. And um, we were a couple of like, female singers. And a and kind of time where you had female singers, but they wanted really have an effect at, you know, the, the bands and the, the new singers for yep. having new, you're as likely to have like Pink at number one as you are to have like James Blunt or yeah, you know, or something. Yeah, um, yep. so no, no, if you play with that one, I, um, not a um, time for Blondie. Yeah, um, we're going to move on. I have got my own uh, the, the timer here. That's all right, that's okay. Hi, we're going to break up a wee bit. Okay. Um, same question. Books. Now, you read a lot. I try right? to. <laughs> yeah. Right. I try to. Yeah. yeah. I, you, you, here's the thing. You either read a lot or you open a book, take a picture of it, stick it on Instagram, put it back down again. 
nowadays that's more of it to be honest I'm, I'm that's one of my big sort of things is to try and dedicate more time to it but I don't I know you haven't asked your question here but uh and I'm already interrupting but a lot of the times I will go in and, and just sort of pick at things so I'll read a couple of chapters on that but then I'll end up reading about something else so eventually I'll get through a book but it might have been merged with 15 other books which mm. drives my wife absolutely nuts because they're all lying about the house and she goes crazy over that but hey ho I, I, I've, I've got um, I remember somebody put up on Facebook what's the best invention ever mm -hmm. right we know this one it's the written word yep. yeah 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 I, I don't think that there's there's nothing that we do that, that, that there's nothing that I don't think there's any in our modern society that didn't come from or somebody writing something on paper, whether it's lyrics or you know how to build a house. Yeah. Right. Somebody wrote something to me, to me the written word is of huge reverence for books. Don't need enough. Um now trying to get through audiobooks, uh, which I thoroughly enjoy. And again, I'm reading books to now. That I read when I was 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was um, luckily started off with fairy tales. Mm -hmm. tales flew through them when I was about 10. Loved them, read a you know, big book like that, moved through them, then read it again. Got to high school, started reading The Hobbit. Yeah. Then started to Lord of the Rings. Took me 18 months to get through Lord of the Rings when I was about 12. Yeah. Read it, you know, about. 15 times since. Um, Sherlock Holmes, the complete works of Sherlock, every Sherlock Holmes story yep. I've read about a dozen times, and I actually went through them all again recently on the audiobook. Yep. So I know that, and, like, that this is, you know, built up my love uh, literature um, and um, non fiction as well. Um, you know, so. You know, where did you start? You know, is it like the kind of this is where I started, this is where I am. Yeah. You know, no one here started off with, you know, and 20 years later, you know, you have fairy tales about your aim <laughs> high. Indeed. Uh, I, books, I, I, I used to like just breathe in books, like would just go through books constantly, and, and it literally could have been anything. The books that are, that, again, from being in a, a, at an age where I was mature enough to to be picking books for myself and stuff, you know, you get to that stage where you like music or movies, movies or whatever it is, uh, was uh, the first books that I actually remember as a teenager really enjoying, and these are quite strange choices for a, a teenager, were the... Uh, well, the Thomas Harris Ham uh, Hannibal Lecter books. All right. I know that's quite a, a that's a curveball just to throw in there. No, no. But uh, I when I, I remember being in East Bride and buying my very first DVD player. Now, when you bought a DVD, it was an absolute fortune at that time. Right? I was making an HMB and getting it like a fiver. And the first DVD I ever bought was Silence of the Lambs, right? I know, I don't know why, but anyway, I did. So I'm not sure, I wasn't 13 at the time. I was must have been 16 or 17. But I remember buying this DVD player 
And again, for the people that are only listening, I'm trying to show the size. This was about this size, huge, big DVD player and silence the alarms. And after watching that, that was at a stage where I was just reading all the time. And I thought, I'm going to read these books. So it's silence the alarms, uh, Hannibal. And the one that I didn't really know was connected until before. And that goes back to a good movie was... Uh, Red Dragon. Red Dragon. And Brian Cox, another Scot, yeah, played Marvel Lecter in, in the movie uh, Manhunter. It was uh, Michael Mann directed that actually before. I was going to say, I'll try to remember who it was. It was Michael Mann uh, and, and Brian Cox played uh, not the scientist that you and I uh, love, but the, the actor. Uh, he played Hannibal Lecter first. And I remember reading the Man Order. So in order, it would have been Red Dragon. Sansa Lambs and then Hannibal. Uh, so those were the three first sort of actual uh, fiction stuff that I get really into. Uh, going back to Terminator 2, I remember getting the book of Terminator 2. Like they would make the movie and then they would release like, the novel after it. And that was at a time when I was just digesting books all the time. Uh, you were mentioning sort of fiction and non-fiction there. I the best non-fiction, sorry, the best fiction book that I've ever read, and I've told people this story before, but when I finished this book, I was in East Kilbride Starbucks, and there was actually a tear running down my eye, uh, and it was The Kite Runner. Anybody that hasn't read The Kite Runner, if you're taking anything away from this podcast, it's the greatest book I've ever read in my life. And I was sitting, I can still picture myself, uh, sitting in Starbucks, finishing this book and actually crying. So this grown man sitting in the middle of the coffee shop with a tear running down my face over this book, uh, The Kite Runner. And one of the probably best non-fiction books of modern time is Sapiens. Uh, Sapiens is just... You've got Sapiens and then his second book was Homo Deus, is... Uh, Naval Noah Harari. There's a, another recommendation for you, which pretty much takes you from the beginning of mankind all the way through. And then Homo Deus is his ideas of what the future's going to be. Uh, I've read, I've read um, Sapiens. Uh, well, listen to it. Um, I find that I'm short of time to sit down and, and listen, uh, read a book. So I drive a lot. So I tend to listen to audiobooks. Um, and I know you read... Uh, the Stephen Fry uh, Brilliant. books. Brilliant. I just, um, it's, he's one of my heroes, actually. He's one of the guys that I would have. Now you yeah. get that question about who would you invite to a, a like a dinner party? Oh, uh, yeah. He's always first in my list. He's just, he's my, he, I think he's my number one celebrity of all time. I absolutely love him. Yeah. I, 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 I really like, I loved him, like, you know, when he was in Blackadder and the young ones and, Perfect. You know, it's just you know, it, it never fails, you know, um, to produce the goods, whatever he's playing, and 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 of course he was in like one of my favourite films, uh, V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. Vendetta. Yep, yep. Um, but he's, he's got three autobiography books. I've and, read them. Uh, the first two are brilliant, and I didn't like the third. There was a lot of repetition in, in the, the autobiographies. That that was a problem. Uh, that may have been the first time in my life I've ever semi-criticised Stephen Fry, by the way. 
Uh, and then he done the Mythos and Heroes and Troy books as well. Right. The guy's a genius. He just, he's a, he's a genius. Yes, I'm, I'm really, as you say, he's one of these guys, if I did see him, I would go up and say, hi, how you doing? If it's okay, can I have a selfie? Um, 100%. You know, um, there's other people that I just go, uh, you know, but I think Stephen Fry, I, I believe he think, I think he would be reasonably approachable. Uh, yes, I, I think so. We've we seen him in Edinburgh doing these... Uh, his show on Mythos a couple of years back. This is pre-COVID. Uh, and it was actually his birthday. And I didn't realise it was his birthday, but obviously a lot of the people that were there were big fans of his. And when he'd walked out, the full theatre started singing Happy Birthday to him. And he stood there and you could just tell how touched he was. Uh, I think he's self appraised. I think he is quite a humble guy. Yeah, um, I think he's, he's, he's kind of possibly a wee bit uncomfortable with his fame and his, you know, his, his perceived intelligence. Um, but I, I, I just think he's, he's probably one of you know, you see national treasures. A hundred percent. Honestly, we should start the Stephen Fye fan club. I <laughs> adore the man. Honestly, I do. And see when he's like Morgan Freeman. See when you're reading his books. Again, see again example. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption. That wasn't actually a full book by Stephen King. It was what's called a novella. So it was yeah. a short story. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Mm -hmm. Hence why you get the story about the poster and that in the movie. But I read that in Morgan Freeman's voice. Because yeah, of course you do. So every every Stephen Fry book that I read. I read, Stephen Fry reads it, uh -huh. and it just makes it even better. I can't uh -huh. do it. I, I had a membership to Audible, and I tried to do it, but it always feels to me like you're cheating on the, the author. I, I know that it's a good way of doing it because you don't have... Uh, I listened to uh, Bill Bryson, uh, the thing with history of... What's it called? Oh, the whole sort of history of Neil Everton. Yes, that That's was the last one. That's like a good few years old now. Well, I, I, I had that downloaded on Audible and listened <laughs> to that one. And I can't bring myself to do it. I just feel it's no... I don't know. So I, I'm stuck to podcasts with Audible uh, stuff, but no, I would rather... And that's where I fail now because I just don't have the time to sit and dedicate an hour of my day to, to reading, although I wish I did. I would reckon it meant uh, Richard P. Feynman books on Audible, uh, his life, he, um, I don't know if you know who he is, he's a, you know, most people be able to tell you that they're, they're like 10 favourite fighters or footballers or that, right? Yeah. You meet scientists and you've got Einstein mixed that as time and then it's Dirac and yeah. you know, um, Bors. And, uh, but Feynman, American, brought up, um, clever, clever, Man, but also uh, his father was really involved in, you know, uh, trying to make the, the world interesting to him. Uh -huh. um, ended up working on the Manhattan Project. Right. And um, done a, a lot of work in quantum electrodynamics. And um, he had the most interesting life. 
and the most interesting attitude to life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I won't, I'm not going to get into details, but um, if I, I think I may have a copy of it, I'll give you um, the book, Surely You're Joking, Mr. Fine, and, and you'll fall in love with this man. This kind of eccentricity and um, humility. Yeah, a bit like Stephen Fry. Like, mm-hmm. He was he was a guy that um, discovered why the Challenger blew up right, on, okay. um, on liftoff. Yeah, and um, if I remember, I'll send you a clip of him proving his point in court. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of read a lot of the stuff you're mentioning yourself. Um, you know, growing up, you see, for me, it was it was fun. It was Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, I kind of started off my thing was 2000 AD, mm-hmm. um, and there was like some fantasy in that. Um, then Lord of the Rings came in. Well, didn't he? Uh, you know, much older Lord of the Rings and, and read it and read it and read it. Uh, and that led me to munch through about 60 fantasy books. It was just yep. con, you know, and, you know, some of them some of them were just dreadful. Some are yeah, punk. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I think the early 80s, I read Dune, then the film came out. And yep. I, I literally fell in love with the, the mythology in there. Um, the 1984 Dune film is objectively a bad film, but there's some beauty in it. Yeah. And there's some good storytelling in it. And that's why it's, you know, they're trying to remake it. So, you know, th- this is when you're younger, like, for, for you, what's the stuff? You see, Lord of the Rings, Holmes, Dune, this is stuff. Where you've got the, a lot of things, it's the hero's journey. Yep. As is, is they say, um, whether it's, you know, Gawain in the Green Knight, King Arthur. What, what do, you know what, do you know what just came back to me there was uh, Stephen King. Just when you were talking there, I read a lot of Stephen King as a as a young sort of teenager. Did uh, you ever read a book called Weave World? I think it was a Stephen King book. Weave World? I'll need to check it. What's sure. that one about? It's a long story. Yeah. I'll double check it. I don't remember that one. I don't remember that one. Uh, but I, Stephen King played a, a huge influential part in in my sort of... I keep, I keep saying early reading. I can't really remember what, until I was maybe 14, 15, 16. At that age, you probably should or could be reading Stephen King. I certainly wasn't... I, didn't, I wasn't reading it as a 10-year-old, but... Uh, as I remember being a teenager, Stephen King played a, a huge part. He had a book called Dreamcatcher. Is that what you're thinking about? No, I've, I've managed to pull it up here. Um, okay. It's by Clive Barker, not Stephen King. Um, uh, no, so, uh, yeah, Stephen King was a, a huge part of my, my teenage years as well. So he was, yep. So where are you going to go for here, um, reading wise? Well, and I know I know you're studying now. Yeah. Um, is your study is your study just studying reflecting what you're reading, or are you going to, um, you know, like 
know, take a break from studies and, and you know, try and read something um, that, that kind of breaks the, you know, your concentration. That that's another brilliant question, uh, and I think I think your questions are so good because because obviously because you know me, uh, but that's a brilliant question, and I'll tell you why because I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think you get through a stage where, so I'm forty next year, and you get through a stage where you're maybe. It's one of those ones, and I'll say this honestly, because I know that I've, most people listening to this would, would have done the same thing. It's, have you read that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've read it. And you're just telling people you've read stuff when you've not really read it. Like all the, like some, like Lord of the Rings, there's, there's millions of people out there that will tell you they've led, read Lord of the Rings and they actually haven't read Lord of the Rings. My point being is... <laughs> so my point being is <clears throat> a stage where I was reading or trying to read and not getting anywhere with books that I thought people would think I would read mm-hmm. and there was a bit of trying to prove something to myself with that as far as uh, this is going to improve me intellectually or this is going to improve me like, just my general knowledge about stuff and I would drop away for a lot of these books. And not that very long ago, I changed my mind with that. And I actually said, you know what? If you go back to when you loved reading, it's because you loved reading. Mm-hmm. You, you, were, you were reading stuff that you loved. And that's where I've went back to. Yeah. That's where I've went back to. Uh, so I'm... Um, I, I had come away from fiction quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is because I'm, I'm studying now and hopefully reading non-fiction uh, that I'm finding that I'm being drawn more to books that are just for fun, that yeah. are fic- fictitious, that, that are just <coughs> stories that, that I want to read. Unless it's... Uh, I've, asked, I've asked Santa Claus for Stephen Fry's Ties, which is his new book. So... Okay. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that'll arrive from Christmas morning. But, uh, I, think, I think there's there's a certain um, wisdom in revisiting the the literature that you that, that made you want to read. Um, yeah, I was I, read, I spent years non-fiction, like Sam Harris. Christopher Richards, Dawkins, yep, yep, yep. Um, stuff like to do with the industry and construction, um, some philosophy, you know, just and that I got was to that was me, yeah. And 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 it was my certainly my daughter, and, and I went and I, I need to start reading fiction again, yeah. Uh, that's that's me, exactly. You, you need to, I think it's good for emotional development, yeah, yeah, not a story. To hit you somewhere, you know, and I throw in with that. I mean, even I'm saying <laughs> mythos isn't a fiction, it's clearly fiction. <laughs> you know, Jesus, it's not like this. Um, and, and they're good stories, good storytelling. Yeah. Like, um, and, and again, I, I also tried like trying some of the books that people thought, oh, you should read this. 
Yeah. So um, Slaughterhouse Five with Kurt Vonnegut. Um, it was a fantastic book. It really kept me um, broad all the way through it. And um, Fahrenheit 451, which was really good and was not the book that I understood it was going to be. Yep, yep. Because I thought it was this polemic about, you know, people um, burning books, right? Um, it's, there's so much more to it than that. And if you read it for the first time and now you go, this, this, is, this could have been written last year. Yep. You know? Um, and I think like really good writing can you transcend years in, See, in both both of them do. See, I don't know, possibly sum up this 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 subject that we're on at the minute. As far as the Kite Runner was made into a movie, mm-hmm. which I swore and have 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 never have never ever watched. I swore down I'm never ever going to watch this movie because that book is fictitious. It's, it's a fiction novel, but as I say, and what you're saying there as well about it just hitting you, hitting me to the degree where I'm I'm on a podcast talking about sitting in as a grown man sitting in a coffee shop crying over it. Uh, that wee world that, that that book made in, in my head, the film would waste because yeah. I would have Morgan Freeman reading The Shawshank Redemption. So mm-hmm. the characters in The Kite Runner are in my head. Mm-hmm. One of them was actually, one of the wee boys in it is called Amir, which is the name of my wee boy. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that pulled in the heartstrings and stuff as well. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a listen to it and we'll, we'll get a chat. It's, at some point. No, see, you go to read it. You go to read it. Uh, it you find it's it's a it's a this size a novel. It, you you it's okay, right? Honestly, that that's uh, I'm, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to buy you that. That'll be a late Christmas right. present. Okay, you get me that, and I'll get you um, Richard Feynman. Right, right, deal. Okay, we'll switch him over. Okay, but um, I'm actually going to wrap up at that. I questions for you. No worries at all. So are we not going to talk about martial arts at all? That was my ambition not to touch on martial arts whatsoever. I think it's it's good as I say the plan was to put this out as, as a Christmas special because of the timing and uh, I think it's been good for people to get a wee idea of who it is that's actually running the show. So that, that was the reason why I done it. It, it. I think it gives people a chance to this is why I'm so wary of uh, you wouldn't think it with how often I post, but I keep saying, look, if you if you read my social media, take the majority of it with a pinch of salt. And if you want to know what I actually think about stuff, listen to the podcast, because if you're watching it, you can see my expression. You can see me getting excited about stuff. If you're listening, you can hear the the tone. You, you know, hopefully, where I'm coming from, because uh, this long forum... Gives you a chance to actually understand what somebody's actually saying. This was this is what I wanted to do, and I'd asked a couple of people for suggestions. And, All right, okay. And and I thought, you know, what was it you like apart from martial arts? And in this, you read, you know, you like movies. You know, you're always playing the guitar. And I thought, you know, in essence, this is the guy behind the kicky punchy in the podcast. Yeah. 
And you've done like 50 odd podcasts about most of them about martial arts. Yep. So I thought, no, but you know, strip you down. And and that was that was my ambition. And and I think we 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 done okay with that. I think uh, so, yeah, for sure. It's been so it's been really enjoyable actually. Uh, and it's been hard not to, to forget or try and remember, sorry, that it's not me that should be asking the questions. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I, was I was waiting on that and I was going to go, excuse me, no, no, this. Uh, I know, I know, I know. I, I tried, I've done it a couple of times and then my head, I kind of controlled it. But uh, yeah, so, right, for the listeners, I'll try my best. You should hopefully be getting this before Christmas time, which is only a couple of days now, two days. Uh, Stevie, you see, this is a bit where you need to say, Kareem, thank you so much for joining us today. But I'm waiting for you shutting up. I know, I know. Right, it's over to you. Go. <laughs> um, for the listeners, it's been emotional. It's been fun. Um, I, have, I have really enjoyed this. It's been really good. And, and thanks, Kareem, for giving me the opportunity yep. um, to do it. And we'll maybe do it again in a year's time. And I'll try and get another four curveballs for you. Yeah. As I say, you've been absolutely brilliant at it. So, uh, time for you to have your own podcast. Yeah, we'll see. You never know. Right, Stevie. Okay. God bless you. Thank, uh, thank you so much, mate. And uh, I'll definitely get that book for you. And have a wonderful Christmas. You too, mate. All right, my man. Take it easy. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cheers, pal. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.